Hello there. Have you had thoughts and questions about how product management is practiced in Nigeria, Africa, and the world at large? Or if other product managers are going through the same challenges and how to resolve it? If any of these strikes occurred, welcome to Product Center. Listen to product leaders share their thoughts and experiences on practical topics such as design thinking, user research, product development, team management, etc. So irrespective of your level, either you're aspiring, practicing, or senior product manager, there's something to learn to give your career a boost. You should follow us on our social media platforms, Twitter and LinkedIn, Arch Product Centered, and subscribe to our newsletter. We share lots of product management resources, and of course, notifications when episodes are released. Hello, and welcome to Product Centered. Hosting today's podcast is Shekemi Oini, and I'll be speaking to Tunde Adenira. It's a two-part series, so after listening to this one, you might want to head over to listen to the first one. Now, Tunde is a product management leader with a decade's worth of experience. Yep, 10 whole years. <laughs> and he has worked as a product manager, a business analyst, and a sales engineer. Mostly, he helps brands build software products to solve problems at scale. And he's interested in things like analytics, data, fintech, mobile, etc. So now, listeners, I've known Tunde for over four years, right? He was my former boss. And so speaking to him on this podcast, he was, you know, taking me back to the days of my humble beginnings. So you're going to hear a bit about that. So most of the things we talked about on this podcast is about the challenges he has faced and how we got around them and how to apply emotional intelligence as a leader, you know, to ensure that everybody on your team is able to make contributions, you know, and just being open generally to hear from everybody. Then we also dived into how to guide your teams towards success. You know, the amount of um, coaching or mentorship you need to give different people to ensure either direct or indirect to ensure that they're able to execute all of the activities you're assigning to them. So yeah, let's get into this proper. So we'll be starting with your experiences, right? So you know how they say on easy lies the head that wears the crown? Exactly. As a team lead, I'm sure there will be several challenges that can come up. So how does one take care of those challenges? How does one prepare themselves for it and definitely overcome them? You can just share some experiences if you have some. So one of the things about working with small organizations, so for example, they are in the 2013 month startup, is the fact that you know you you get to spread your tentacles, right? And you get to really stretch, right? And one of the things I discovered is, you know, working with a small company, especially a small company that is into, um, um, that has a, say, product development arm or, or software engineering arm, the volume of work you're able to go through over a given period, when you compare, compare the in- intensity of that workload, as against somebody who is working in a more established firm where there's a lot of specialization, you find that you actually really stretched yourself significantly. And that could be a benefit because it helps you grow faster, right? Um, one of the challenges that I had of starting out uh, as a business analyst um, was when um, I had to lead the business development team in addition to my business analyst work, right? So at that time, essentially, I was driving sales for the business, right? So I would have to go out for meetings, sell the business to a customer, and then get back, get somebody on my team who would be the business analyst in charge or the, the spoke for the project to then go and gather the, the, the requirements. And it was 
a very 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 tasking period for me because on one hand you know you're you're responsible for revenues on the other hand you're responsible for ensuring that whatever solution it is you're building meets the customer's requirements and it's very easy for you to get blamed for whatever it is gets wrong you know we don't mean that revenues is a fault the customer doesn't like the solution it's a fault um, you know so it, it, it was a challenging process um it was, it was a challenging couple of months for me um on doing that um, combined um, those two roles combined um but i was able to get through it um right um i had to of course take it easy on myself um not put myself under much pressure and um, every single time i had issues i had to very quickly escalate to the ceo right so that you know it it was a case of um us appearing to be a common front rather than us being divided internally um moving further down the line um one of the biggest challenges you would have as a leader is finding great talent, right? Um, recruitment budgets are never infinite. Recruitment budgets are almost never sufficient to find the kind of talent you want. Um, there's always typically a gap there. Um, yeah, so finding great talent for cheap is 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 a huge is a huge problem. Um, and as a leader, you typically would have to decide on what the best approach is when it comes to growing your team. So, for example, at Terragon, um, there are always two options, right? The first option is you know you hire people with uh, with some experience and you pay them very well, right? The second option is you hire talent and then you groom them, right, into um, you sort of mold them into what you want them to be. Um, for the first couple of years you know, at Terragon, you know, we took that approach of um, grooming talent, you know, where we would get people fresh out of school and then um, they would, you know, go through the ranks and then grow from becoming associate product managers to then becoming product managers and then becoming senior product managers. Um, and she gave me, I know that you, you went through that, that rank or that process at the time. Um, and again, it's, it's always an interesting balancing act, right? Because when you get people fresh in, you, of course, you need to give them time. You need to give them time. And you also need to provide time for yourself to be able to coach them. That's one challenge, right? Um, the second challenge... I would say it was around, or rather the third challenge now, was around driving a, a vision, right? And getting everyone aligned around that vision, right? Tragon um, as a business evolved over time, right? Um, when I joined Tragon in 2014, you know, we were three separate businesses. There was a Tragon Limited, there was a Valid Services business. There was a Tragon Media Limited, there was a digital agency, and then there was a twin client that was a mobile app platform, right? And of course, as, as the years went by, both um, all the companies were, they were run by one CEO, but they had independent operational teams. And of course, revenue streams were, were independent as well. Um, again, the industry evolved, the business had to evolve and fall in line. And the business decided to um, focus around uh, data-driven marketing. Right, and then using machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to drive marketing outcomes for, for businesses. Um, it, it takes a, a whole lot to shift your thinking from 
validated services from digital agency, from a programmatic agency to being a data-driven marketing company, right? Um, for one, you know, you are going into SaaS, you know, which is a totally different um, business model from the three individual businesses I mentioned earlier on. Um, on the other hand, it requires SaaS requires different skill sets. So SaaS is not to as a service, right? It requires different skill sets um, from a sales perspective, from an operations perspective, from a product management perspective, right? It was it was a huge challenge um, for me at the time because what I had to do and what I also had to, 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 to get the team to do as well was to buy into the new vision, right? Um, and I remember that on several locations, you know, I would sit down with the team and, you know, we would just talk around, oh, why are we evolving? Um, why is it important for the business to evolve? Um, and, you know, take questions, you know, try to get people comfortable with that decision process, you know, because if your your teammates or your, your, your team members are not, um, they're not comfortable, if you don't have their buying, even though you're leading them, they're going to struggle leading them, right? You don't want to, you don't want to drag somebody, you know, you know, I'm sure we must have seen images online of, you know, people leading rams or goats to the slaughterhouse and you see how they really struggle and, you know, it's always a battle. You know, you don't want your people like that, you know, you want your people, you know, following you like, like a horse. Um, and, you know, you guys actually going towards the same, the same direction. Um, so that, that took quite a while. Um, of course, evolved a lot of back and forth. But the, the biggest um, way to solve problems is being open, right? Being able to take questions, being able to offer feedback, being able to answer those questions, being able to, in some cases, offer data, you know, um, to answer those questions. So, for example, one of the reasons why um, the business had to evolve away from VAS at that time was because VAS as an industry was dying. Um, and it no longer made sense to invest resources in it, right? Um, yeah, so those are the three main challenges I've had. Um, as a leader, again, I've had several more, but um, for sake of time, I think we'll probably just stick to those three. Um, you should tell me if you want me to, to <laughs> mention out more. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> but, but I hear you say the best way to solve challenges is to be open. And I think that's, that's really profound because casting my mind back on some of the experiences I've had, even while at work, working with you, or just working generally, um, thinking about it now, there's never a situation where um, some sort of feedback session felt like a challenge or a, a session that got you angry to say, oh, okay, why would you ever say so? Or why do you think that way? You know, so like you say, just being open to hear from different people, their perspectives, because at the end of the day, you don't really know who actually does have the answer because then again, it's a problem because you don't know how to solve it. If you knew how to solve it, everybody would be all right. But the moment you don't know how to solve it, I think it's important that leaders should know that they need to swallow their chill pill, wherever it is, they, they keep it and just listen to every, every other person. Of course, do their own research and not make wrong decisions, but be open, like you say, be open to hear what every other person has to say and then use that information from different people to then make, then make the right decision. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And, and I think that's, that's the way to go because um, and not all leaders still get this, right? Some people have that notion of 
again, it boils down to leadership style, right? Some people have that notion of I'm your leader, so whatever it is I say, you know, you have to just jump and fly. Um, when you're in, a, in, a, in an organization that aims to 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 spur creativity, right, and innovation amongst the employees, right, and you know, product-centered organizations, or oh wow, I used your name in, yeah, you <laughs> in my sentence. So, <laughs> product, <laughs> yeah, product-centered organizations, or let me call them product-driven organizations, right? You, you want your employees to to be agile. You want them on their feet. You want them thinking about solutions to problems themselves. You don't want to put between them every single time, right? It's always important for you as a leader to be open to feedback, right? Um, and if I may confess, it's not necessarily like I never got angry, but of course, as, as a leader, you need to have some level of emotional intelligence. So even if you get angry, just keep your anger to yourself and don't show it. And then like, oh, why this is asking me a stupid question? But right, you just <laughs> you just keep it to yourself, and you know you 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 know how to manage those scenarios. And of course, we're all human beings. You know, people will ask you questions that in quotes may sound irritating but um you 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 of course don't you wouldn't want to shut them down i'm like man why are you asking that kind of stupid question yeah you, you you still should be very open to them and you know basically one of the things i've also learned is even though a question sounds irritating or sounds simple the person is asking it for a reason right and the person is asking it because that's the way the person sees things from his own point of view right so as a leader you want to understand what that point of view is and um, maybe it will give you an insight into why the person is asking the question, right? But at the very least, you would get an understanding of where the person is coming from. And then when you want to respond or when you want to further guide the person, you know how to do so. You already hinted it. You said it boils down to the leadership style. So if I can pick on that, right, and say, working with people, how have you handled issues of insubordination from junior PMs. Um, I, I hear you say some things about it from the first question about maintaining your composure, but that's just conversation. How about instances of outright insubordination? How did you draw the lines and say, oh, okay, no, I'm not going to take that. And then what leadership styles have worked best for you? We can cap it up with, how do you then support and guide the PMs in your team? One of the things that I have learned over time managing people is that context is very important right um understanding what motivates the individual is very important understanding the why behind actions is very important um without speaking to a very specific case of insubordination um what i would the first thing i would do right um is to understand why the person is behaving that way or why the person is reacting that way. Right, that's typically the first thing I would do. Um, as a leader, right, you also have to be able to apply some level of emotional intelligence. You know, so for example, the person may be living all the way in Ota, right, and he, he spends three, four hours in traffic every day. Right, and your official opening hours is eight, but maybe he slept off and you know he got to work eight thirty or eight fifteen, and then all hell breaks loose. You're like, why are you coming late to work? And and uh, you know the person just gives you a very rude reaction. 
you know you don't know what's going through that individual's mind right he's he spent the last four hours of his life in traffic and you know as as a manager you, you haven't shown any empathy towards that situation right so the first thing i'll try to do is maybe ask so why, why are you coming to work right where do you stay if i don't already know where the individual stays right or you know just find a specific reason why maybe they have to pick a new bottle to the hospital in the middle of the night whatever it is right but it's always easier to correct situations like that when you have some level of context that's on one hand right so as a leader i would rather take the approach of this individual doesn't know better right and then try to guide that individual towards that place where i want that individual to be now you probably would have some cases where it's just the attitude of the employee to be rude now those are more serious cases that you need to spell out very clearly right and it, it's always easier to fix those things very quickly right one of the things i like to do as a leader is i like to set the tone for the team you know have certain informal do's and don'ts at the very least let everyone understand how i like to work right um, so that we're all on the same page now, if you begin to notice those consistent acts of insubordination that are detrimental to the business, definitely you need to speak to that individual about it. If you don't notice any changes, you probably need to get HR involved. Um, I'm also a leader that believes that in some cases you, you may have made a hiring mistake, right? The individual may not be the right fit for that role, and maybe you're just trying to force the individual into that role, and there's some friction there. You know, if you don't see changes, get HR involved, you know, try from that angle to see if they can coach the individual. Um, you also need to, to look at things from a holistic perspective, right? Um, the kind of insubordination, how often it happens, you know, why it happens, all those things are very important, you know. Of course, I won't recommend the person is rude to you, you fire the person the next day, no, you know, it's... <laughs> you typically will need to understand because cultures also play a role in this thing right um we are all from different backgrounds we're all from different upbringings right so um the person may not consider it rude to for example not getting the money even though that sounds very strange to me but maybe that's the way the person was brought up right but at least have a conversation with it around with, with that person around that situation and let the person voice out that feedback. Oh, oh, my parents didn't teach me to greet anybody in the morning. No, I would just do it. We just wake up and we just say hi to each other. So that when the person says hi to you, you know that, oh, that's how his parents were brought up. And then you can correct the person. So, okay, even though you did that in your house, here we have a greeting culture, right? Um, so that's how I would handle cases of insubordination. Um, I think insubordination is a very broad term um and how you handle it needs to vary based on what the specifics of the situation is but then again i hope i've, I've given some broad guidelines there um the second question on how, how do you draw the line um for me that line is going to be where the friction begins to affect work um again the primary reason why everyone is employed at an organization is to deliver value to the organization right if 
um, the employee is not able to do that for whatever reason, that's the red line for me. And we, we better fix that or something drastic is going to happen. Right. Um, what leadership styles work best? One of the things that I would say is that you know, your leadership style should be based on your temperament. Now, you don't want to lead people in a way that isn't natural to you. Right. So it, it isn't that there's a best leadership style. It's more like there's a best leadership style based on your personality. Right. So, for example, uh, um, looking at the temperaments, the four temperaments, right? I'm a choleric and a phlegmatic, right? Um, typically, I'm a stronger choleric, right? But typically, people who are choleric and phlegmatic, you know, the primary need for them is to get results, right? Um, they want to get results. They want to, they want to see outcomes. They want to see, like, tangible outcomes, right? We can tend to be results-oriented almost unemotional at some points, right? Um, we're also very confident in our ability to make decisions, right? So the, the weak or the bad side of that is that um, sometimes you, you may tend to make unilateral decisions just because you feel like you've thought about all the angles, right? Um, however, knowing that I'm a choleric and phlegmatic, one thing I had to do consciously was of course, I identified my strengths, I identified my weaknesses, I also had to work on those weaknesses, right? So, for example, being able to take decisions collaboratively probably is not something that would have come natural to me, right? But over the years, I had to consciously make that effort, right? And, and it's really worked for me because I'm not a fan of the autocratic leadership style, right? I think that's for the the age of the industrial revolution you know where people had uh, slaves and and you know used the horse whip to get them to work faster and then people had you know trees and you you back orders at them you know in the information age that we are in today you know people work with their brains more often than not right and if they are not mentally fine right you're not going to get the best out of them so your leadership style should be in tune with that you know how do you encourage people to give you outcomes right without necessarily being autocratic in nature right my leadership style and what i would consider ideal for this information age is something that enables the team you know you serve as an enabler right and in this role what you typically would do is rather than say oh team this is what we have to do and you, we must do it this way you know you could explain the objective set the vision but leave execution to the team or at, at the very least have them come up with initial suggestions and guide them so what you would typically find me saying is oh how about you guys think about it this way right or guys these are the options with respect to how i think we should go about it can you think about the pros and cons and let's make a decision? But really, you want to be able to empower your team to make decisions as well. Even though you're a leader, your team should be able to make certain decisions, right? And you need to be able to feed them with the parameters of those decisions such that they know if they choose A, this is the consequence. If they choose B, this is the consequence. And then on the basis of that, 
they make a decision. Now, in some cases, they may not make the decision you want them to make, right? But you have two options. You could get them to go ahead with that decision and see how it turns out. You just might be surprised it turns out well. Or you may want to further guide them to say, okay, you know what, guys, I don't think this decision is the best. Maybe because you have more experience or because you are their leader and you have more information at your disposal, you can then offer them something that they don't already know about why that decision isn't the best. Right. So from a leadership style perspective, I would rather more or less draw out guiding principles, um, give my team some room to make their own decisions. They would probably make some mistakes, right? But mistakes are, are not to be and are not to be discouraged, right? Mistakes should be encouraged because when you make a mistake, you grow, right? When you fail, you grow. Um, and and I would say that would be my leadership style, right? In terms of how do I support and guide PMs in the team? Um, yeah, there are a number of ways to, to I, I do that, right? There are a number of ways to, to achieve this. Right? I think that mentorship and guidance and coaching and all that stuff is two ways, right? One is um, it could be a pull or it could be a push, right? And by pull, it could be that you have an employee who is really curious and he's consistently reaching out to you to find out what to do and what to read and you know, what the best practices are. You know, not everyone is like that, but, you know, it's always interesting to have subordinates who have that mentality. Um, they tend to grow really fast, to be honest, when they ask a lot of questions. Now, you have, you would have some subordinates who may not be as, who may not be as, what's the word now? Who may not be as curious, so they may not ask you so many questions, right? However, what you want to do is you need to have a mechanism of pushing things to them, right? And every leader, of course, should know the strengths and the weaknesses of their subordinates, right? You want to be able to know where a Shikemi is good at or a Joseph is good at and where a Joseph or Shikemi isn't good at. Right. And of course, as a leader, one of your jobs is to help your subordinates grow. Right. And you can do that actively. You can also do that passively. Right. So one of the active ways to do that is, you know, recommend them for a training at your organization. You know, you know that this is the next level for them. There's a skills gap here. Right. I, and you see maybe a training or a course that can plug that skill gap. Just straight up recommend them. Right. In some other cases, it might be that you need to work on the soft skills, right? And in such cases, you want to coach them. You want to actively mentor them, right? But then again, when it comes to, to guidance and support, it has to be a two-way thing most of the time. The individual needs to understand his own weaknesses as well as you, the boss, understanding their weaknesses. The individual needs to be ready to grow and work with you on that journey right um and as a boss you consistently need to cover time for the growth of your team and that's something that not a lot of um leaders do right we just often feel it's about work 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 and then um we forget about the subtle parts of work which is this individual needs to grow 
capacity wise um and then it, lead, it leads to frustration for everyone right because as time goes on you begin to give the individual more complex tasks that are more complex than his skills can handle right because you haven't groomed that individual for the next level over the years Oh, that was that was um, comprehensive. I'm not even going to bother to go to the next question I had, but I think that you've already captured a lot about what you can do to motivate your staff, help them um, move from that skill gap from level zero to level one. Um, I like a number of things that you mentioned when you said your leadership style can depend on the temperaments that you have. And that most importantly, you need to identify the weaknesses you might have. And of course, make a plan to change. Right. Another key thing that I got talking about the need for leaders to cover time for their growth and for the growth of their subordinates. Right. And I think that's that's a part that is not very emphasized in leadership generally. As a leader, people just think, oh, you need to get results, especially since you're a product leader. But then again, the part about paying a lot of attention to the growth of the people behind you is very key. I know I once heard somebody describe leadership in such a way as to say, if as a leader you leave a place and, the, and you don't have a succession plan, nobody else can fit into your shoes, then um, you've probably not done such a good work, right? Because not only is a leader leading his followers, but he's also leading them and teaching them to be leaders. So allowing them to lead themselves and even the ones behind them, continuing that classic succession of, of leadership. So. It's really important. Ah, thank you so much, Tunde. So many nuggets, so many good things to to note and start actioning, right? Even as we all generally as PMs move from being senior PMs to group head PMs, and even those of us that are already in those kind of leadership positions, right? How to be more efficient at what we do. We really appreciate the time you have taken out to share all of this information with us. Thank you very much, Tunde. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember, you can listen to more product management podcasts on our website, productcentered.com. Don't forget to share this link with your friends and subscribe.